you missed it. It is online, but always better to get it in person, I think. Um, but before we get back to Ephesians in a couple of weeks, this week, I wanted to chat a little bit about, if you're looking at the notes, it says, why membership? Why membership? And I, I, even with that title, I know I make some of you a little anxious. So I want to take the anxiety out. We are talking about church membership this morning. But my desire, I want to let you know a few things. One, the ushers will not be barring the doors and holding slips of paper for you to leave. All right, that's not going to take place. I'm not going to have everyone come forward and, and sign anything. Uh, my desire is not to convince you uh, of church membership. That's something I believe the Lord does in your heart. My desire is to let you know why is church membership important at Central Community Church, and why is it important to your pastor? Why, why do I feel like it's important? I'm not giving this message because we need members. Um, that's not the reason. I just, every year, every year before we have our annual uh, business meeting, the end of October, uh, before we have, um, you know, voting in officers, and uh, this year we have a proposed bylaw change. Uh, it's, a, it's a smaller thing. Be happy to talk about that with anyone, and we'll have that posted next month in, in advance of the voting. But before we get to that, it is the desire of the leadership of this church to make membership available to anyone. It is not, it is not closed. We are a very open, welcoming church. The welcome that you have at the door isn't just there. It, 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 you're welcome to be a part of this church as much as you desire to be. And so the board, the board, your pastor, the leaders, they want you to know that church membership is open to you before we announce, oh, by the way, we're having a business meeting and this is for members and only members can vote, all right? So in years previous, I have always made that invitation, you know, like, hey, if you want to do this, this is available to you. But to the best of my knowledge, I have never shared from Scripture why it is a part of Central Community Church. And I wanted to do that today for one of the reasons being a lot of times, and, and, I, and I always enjoy these discussions, but when someone says, well, I'm just not sure I want to or, or they have a reason they don't want to, I, I, always, I came from an idea where I thought it was exciting. I mean, when I grew growing up, I wanted to be a church member, so it didn't really matter to me why. I just wanted it. You know, and I don't know, maybe if, if you're even a church member now, that that's where you're at. Like, you just, you just wanted it. You don't know why, but that's something you wanted. So it's good for me, it's good for you as members or you as considering membership to know why from the New Testament, why from Scripture do we offer membership? Why is it important? Why is it important? So, um, we're going to get into that, and, and I will tell you that there is no way for me to cover the breadth of what Scripture has to say in regards to membership, um, because honestly, everything from the beginning of the book of Acts to the end of Revelation is the proof text for the church, is the proof text for uh, what is the church made of, what, how does the church function, what should the church look like, and very impossible for me to cover all of that. So I am, I am drawing on uh, examples. I, every, I'm going to be sharing a lot of different passages with you. I'm going to have those passages up on the screen. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write down the references and maybe a, just a tag as far as what I'm saying. You know, this verse shows us about membership. 
invite you to study it for yourself. If you are in love with studying the scriptures as much as I am, look at those passages. Because this is just not a message where we can camp out on one passage and exhaust it. We have to look and just skim through the New Testament to see why is this important. Um, So the first thing I want to do, and again, if you're following along, is I want to look at identification illustrated. Identification illustrated. What passages in Scripture illustrate the fact that people identified with a local body of believers, that they wanted to be identified with a specific group? And, And why I say illustrated is these passages are not going to say, here's what you should do. It's not, they're not a command. It's just Paul or other authors saying, here's what's taking place. This is an illustration of what the church looked like in the New Testament. So I want to come over here and share these verses with you. I will uh, do my best, if you're wanting to flip to them, for you to do that. Uh, I also want to be conscious of time. And I also know that some of you watching this, maybe in the fellowship hall, are smelling food. All right, so all of that means I have to be conscious of time, all right? But let's start in Colossians. This is very, Paul, in all of Paul's letters, you see something like this. Again, I'm just giving you an illustration. Paul writes this. He says, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So Paul's writing a letter, and, and this is at the beginning of the book of Colossians. And he says, I'm writing to the people at Colossae. In other places, he would start to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Philippi. Uh, Here he's addressing a specific group of people. And then later on in the same letter, this is Colossians 1-2. Here in Colossians 4, chapter 15, he says this. He says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. He says, "I've, I've, I've been talking to you in this letter. I want you to also talk to the church at Laodicea and to Nympha, who this is a lady, and the church in her house. So Paul, my, what I'm trying to say is, you have churches identified in the New Testament, not just the church. There's, a uni- there's an idea of the universal church. Everyone who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ is part of his church, his family. But there in the New Testament, and this is just a small sample, in, in Revelations alone, in two chapters, uh, John writes to seven different churches and addresses them all separately. So here we see that churches are named. Um, and, and so he's identified a church at Colossae. He's identified the church at Laodicea. He's identified the church uh, that meets in Nympha's house. And he says to them in verse 16, he says to the, again, to the church at Colossae, he says, After this letter has been read to you, meaning you, the church, see that it is also read to the church of the Laodiceans. See, Paul was fully aware, like, this was a body of believers because he's giving them instruction to say, hey, when you're done with this letter, share it with them. And he goes on to say in that verse, he says, and get the letter that I sent to Laodicea, which we don't have, And you read that. So here's Paul just, this is an illustration saying there were people identified with a local body of believers, and Paul knew that. He wrote to them. He wrote to them. Well, if if you decided to look at Colossians chapter 4, the very next verse, in verse 17, we see that not only were 
local bodies of believers, local churches identified by Paul, but he also identified individuals in that church. In, in this letter, this just one example, he says, tell Archippus this, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Now, again, this is an il- we're illustrating something. Paul's writing a letter to the church, and he says, make sure that Archippus hears these words. See to it that you performed a work that God called you to do. Now, Paul knew that Archippus would be there. Paul knew that Archippus was part of that church. If he didn't, why would he ever send a letter to the Colossians saying, hey, tell so-and-so these words, and they go, who's that? Maybe he's, maybe he's a part of you know, the church you know, in the other town. Or maybe this, you know, I don't know. I mean, who, who is that guy? Do we, do we know him? They knew him. They knew him. In fact, I'll give you another example of this where individuals were identified in a local body of believers. Um, here's Paul writing to the church at Philippi. One, it's one of my more humorous um, things I've read in the New Testament. Paul, in, after he's said a lot to the church as a whole, Paul says this. He says, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Just imagine this for a minute, because here's what would happen. The letter would be sent to the church. Someone would get up and say, hey, you know, as we gather together to worship, uh, as we gather together to celebrate the salvation we have in the Lord, we have a new letter from Paul. And so I'm so excited to share that with you. And for 20 minutes, they read the letter, you know, from Paul. And everyone's just, and Iodia and Syntyche, they're sitting probably over there. I just figure that's where they would sit. In the gap, that's why I identify them. If I went over here, Dottie would feel awkward, you know. Uh, I'd be like, yes, yeah, Yodian, that's Syntyche. No, they'd sit over there where the big gap is that y'all are afraid of, okay. And Yodia and Syntyche are sitting there, and, and we're reading this letter from Paul, and it gets to this point where Paul says, uh, I, I plead with Yodia and Syntyche to get along. I'd be like, that'd really be putting the spotlight on them, right? I, I just feel like that would be probably one of the most awkward days ever in church. We're going to read from the letter of Paul, and he's calling out two of our members this morning. Now, all I'm saying is, is Yodia and Syntyche were part of the church at Philippi. This letter was going to be delivered. Paul knew they would be there. Paul knew they were identified with that church. They would be present, and they would hear this message. Now, to their defense also, in verse 3, Paul goes on to say, and all of you present need to help them. All of you present, help them to live in unity. So everyone's kind of, everyone's called out in that passage. But here, as far as identification illustrated, we see that local churches are identified throughout the New Testament. I gave you just a sampling. We see that individuals are identified with local congregations throughout the New Testament. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 5, a very different sort of passage, Paul is writing to Timothy, who was the pastor of this church in Ephesus. And we're going to be looking at some, out, some other passages in Timothy. But Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, listen, um, I want to give you some practical instruction on the church. And, and he says this to Timothy. He says, give proper recognition to those widows who are in need. 
in verse 3. And then he goes on and gives very specific instructions as far as how a widow should act, compose herself, what should she be involved in, in terms of deserving service of the church. That's not what I'm preaching on this morning. We're not getting into that. But when it gets down to verse 9, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, No widow may be placed on the list, as some of your translations may say, enrolled, unless, and he gives some other things that need to take place in that widow's life. All I'm saying is, is here is the early church, and Paul's talking to the pastor, and Paul says, listen, the widows of the church, in order to be put on a list, ought to meet these qualifications. The early church had a list. They listed out the people who needed care. So a list in itself is not bad. And here we just have an illustration. It's not a command. This is an illustration that the church would list and identify the widows in the church that needed care. They would identify who was a part of that church. Just illustrations once again. Now, and again, I can't be clear enough. These aren't what I call prescriptive passages where they're prescribing or telling us what we should do. Those were uh, descriptive. They're describing what took place in the early church, but these things were present. Churches were identified. Individuals were identified with a local church. The local church functioned in such a way that they would list the people that needed care. So I want to move from sharing with you about... uh, identification just being illustrated in the local church, I want to share with you why is it necessary? Why is identifying with a local body of believers necessary? Very excited to share some of this with you. And it has to do with ministry. Ministry is really the function of the church. If, if the church is not ministering, it's not doing what it's really designed to do. Remember, our mission is to equip people of all ages to become faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Ministry. So what is the ministry of the church? Here are some passages that show us that identification is made necessary or identification is necessitated. It's it's really required. We, We have to be identified with a local body in order for these ministries to take place. And I'll share them with you. Uh, The first one I'd share with you is the fact that in terms of ministry from leaders, you see in your notes, I, I kept that, I just wrote that in there for you. Ministry from leadership. How should the leadership, the pastor, the shepherds, the deacons, the, the, the church board as a whole, how, how should it minister to the congregation? And I, I, I go from top down, but really I see it as being from the bottom up. How should your pastor serve you? And there's several different things it talks about. One is correction. We saw that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, where uh, Paul, who was a pastor, a leader in that church, calls out Yodia and Syntyche, corrects them, and then goes on to instruct the congregation as a whole. That is one of the functions of an elder or a pastor, to lead, to direct, to even correct if necessary, because all of us need that. In order for that to take place, you have to know who is it that you're shepherding? Who is it that is under your leadership? Who is it either that you could say has submitted to that leadership or has identified with 
the church. Moving on into something else, another thing that leadership is supposed to do is to care for the congregation as a whole, to care. We see in James chapter 5, in verse 14, James writes this to the church as a whole. This wasn't addressed to a specific church. Uh, James addresses this entire book to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. So this was something that was just circulated to a lot of people. But James writes this, Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. It is the job of the pastor, it is the job of the shepherds of the church, the elders of the church, to care for the congregation. Now here's my point. How does this ministry happen if we're not identified with a specific local church? If you or if I, and we're not, and we're not identified with a local body, who do we call? I almost wanted to say Ghostbusters there for a second, but it just wouldn't work well with the sermon. Who do you call? If, if, if you call, you know, if you just get in a phone book, you're like, well, I'm going to call and try to talk to a pastor. And the pastor's like, who are you? I, I, don't, I don't know who you are. I, I mean, a, a pastor wants to serve people, but if you're a stranger and you call and say, hey, I, you know, I need prayer. I need someone to come and anoint me. I'm sick. Who are you? Where, where do you live? I don't, I don't know who you are. Is it safe for me to come to your house? Or are you at the hospital? I don't know. I don't know. Imagine this ministry existing if you're not identified to a church or if the elders aren't identified to a specific church. Identification is made necessary for care to take place. Going back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, Here's something else that the leaders are instructed to do for the local body. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy yet again. Yes, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. He's talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you need to stay in that church in Ephesus so that you may commend certain men not to teach false. And I'm just including this because I want you to understand, Timothy was at a local church. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 7, uh, Paul says this. He says, Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. One of the things that, that the church is to receive is instruction. One of the things that a pastor is called to do is to instruct. But who is he to instruct? Who receives that instruction? Those who have identified with that church. Paul's writing to Timothy and said, Timothy, you, 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 you know, your job is to be in Ephesus at that church, and I want you to instruct them. And again, these verses that I'm sharing with you as far as the ministries that necessitate identification are just a sample. There are so many passages just regarding uh, what is a pastor called to do, what are deacons called to do. What are their qualifications? And everything that they're to do is for the local church. What is the local church? It is those people who identify with that congregation. And we're getting towards the end of, of, of this, you know, flipping through all these wonderful verses of Scripture. But probably more important than the ministry that you receive from the leadership 
is the ministry that you have one with another. You see that in the notes. In the church, there's an amazing amount of ministry that takes place when we love one another, when we know one another, when we serve one another, when we encourage one another, when we care for one another. I mean, all of that is throughout the New Testament. Again, the entire New Testament is the proof text for Scripture. But here, I, I just share with you one. Just share with you one in Romans chapter 15. Here's, here's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in, in Rome. And he writes this. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Paul is wording a prayer for the church in Rome. He says, I'm praying this so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to connect something with you. Just real quick here. I, he's saying, I'm asking God to give you a spirit of unity in order that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul prays that, he's saying, listen, it is essential for the church to be unified in order for the church to glorify me. I'll say that again. It is necessary for the church to be unified in order for that church to glorify me. Paul's praying that. So that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul prays that over the church at Rome, and then he says this as instruction. He says, church, in Rome, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How cool is that? How cool is that? Christ, Christ established the church. He, he made the church. He, he set forth very specific instructions like, here's, you know, here's what the congregation should look like. Here's what the church should look like. Here, and I've only given you a sampling of ministries, ministries that should, come, that should come from your leadership, ministry that you should be doing one with another. But what is required for that ministry to take place? Identification. You have to be identified with a local body of believers. Or how can that ministry happen? How can you be unified with something you don't even identify with? In terms of the ministry you give to one another, the love you share to one another. Now, I think at this point, if I'm, if I'm in your shoes a little bit, I would say, you know what, Pastor, I... I, I see what you're saying. We, you know, we've looked at a lot of passages, and you would agree with me that it is necessary to identify with a local body. But some of you are, are you're smart people. I know you're smart people. I said some of you are smart people. You're all smart people here today. Be safe. But you're going, I didn't see anything about membership in those passages. And you're right. We didn't see that word. And I think so many times we're hung up on that word membership. And, and, and I've had enough discussions to know that for the most part, it's because of something that happened in our past in regards to membership. Certainly, the organized church throughout history and even many today have taken that word membership and made it something that I can't find in the New Testament. Have put things on it that are just unreal. And, and honestly, if I was at a church and they were like, no, membership means this. From what I've read, I wouldn't be too excited about membership. 
But again, my desire this morning is not to convince you of membership. My desire this morning is not to change your thought on membership that's based on something you experienced, because that may be very true. My only desire is to let you know why is membership important at Central Community Church? What do we hold as true? Why is it important to your pastor? And I want to share it with you. Membership at Central Community Church, and this is taken from our bylaws, is simply this. To be accepted as a member at Central Community Church, you need to, one, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That is from Scripture. We're not adding anything to Scripture. The church is made up of people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We ha- that has to be a requirement. We're not the church if we don't make that the requirement. Second, consider Central Community Church your church home. Identify. Identify with this body of believers. Say, this, this is my church home. Those are the two requirements. And then, if those are in place, and, and, you, and you believe or I believe that this is what we need to do, this is what we ask. We have what's called basically a, a membership covenant. It's, a, it's a, basically a promise between the existing congregation and you saying that we're going to live in unity. Really, it, you could almost just take Romans chapter 15, the verses that we've already looked at, and place them here, and it's the same thing. We're called as a church to live in unity. It's necessary for the church to bring glory to God and praise to God. So as becoming a member, we want you to agree on the same thing that the existing church agrees upon, that we should live together in unity. And this is the statement that you must agree with. Having accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior... We covenant or promise with the Lord Jesus Christ and one with another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God. So it's just saying, here's my promise to this church and also this church's promise to me. That we would walk together in all his ways as he is pleased to reveal himself unto us through his blessed word of truth. That's it. This church has been very intentional to take away many of the things that organized church has added throughout history and to take it back to Scripture and say, what is necessary for membership? You need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to identify with this congregation and promise to live in unity with us according to his word. I mean, that, that's it. That's why membership is important to us. And I just wanted you to know about that, understand why it's important to us, understand um, why we feel it's a good thing, and why the leadership and your pastor invite you into it freely. Um, if anyone did want to move forward in membership, all you got to do is say, hey, pastor, say hey to me at the potluck, let me know, and um, there's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. It's meaningful, but it's not complicated. Let me pray with you right now just before I share some other things with you. Our Father in heaven, 
thank you so much for your church. Uh, the churches that exist throughout the world, not just in our city, not our state, not our country, but all over the world, local bodies of believers that are, are filled with people that have identified themselves with that church. Lord, you can do wonderful, amazing things through a church that is unified, that is built upon your word. I pray that uh, you would do amazing, continue to do amazing things in this church. Love and protect us, Lord. And may we have both the wisdom to know what we need to do and also possess the courage to do it as we grow in our relationship with you and with this congregation. In your name, amen.